What's up, everyone? This is Alex Aceta, El Queso Grande of Invictus Pro Wrestling, and you're watching Three Count Podcast. Now, by now, you know what this is. Actually, we should really change this up. So, you would normally know what this is because this is now entering 201. And if you're wondering why I sound a lot different, well, we're recording this on August 1st. And I have just been wrestling July 30th and 31st. And if I take too many bumps, my voice just gets destroyed. So, hi. <laughs> Welcome to two, now entering 201. I'm your host, Clifford Red Dogmiller, the man that leads you up that mountain called wrestling. But like every good Sherpa, which by now you should be saying, it's never about me. It's about who's entering. So who's entering the ring today? You see the man, the myth, the legend himself. You've seen him on our debate show. You've seen him on now entering the ring. You've seen him on our specials that we've dropped. It is Alex Oceta. El Grande. Queso Grande. Queso Grande. The honcho and head. Hey, I like it though. I like it. So how have you been, man? Been good, man. Been busy. Uh, as I, as I mentioned before we started rolling, I'm uh, in the process of moving, so shoot life's been busy. A uh, lot going on with Invictus as well. I mean, we're in a bit of a summer holiday, except like not really, because we got Let Them Fight coming up at the end of uh, <clears throat> the end of this month. We had our, our no ring in the Bronx, our no ring show uh, last month. So wasn't really quite the, uh, the the full break from wrestling that I was uh, hoping it would be, but, you know, wouldn't have it any other way. You know, it's something that's like, that's like, I think I'm going to make that like a goal of mine, right? To just wrestle one match in a no ring, because if there's something that I definitely love, it's the idea that uh, I can be in something like Def Jam's Fight for New York and mm. just the idea of people being around and you have like, you know, two dudes and there's a big circle of people around you. I just feel like that would just be something that I would want to do and have so much fun with. The The atmosphere definitely evoked that. And a couple of people brought it up, especially because we were in the Bronx. Like, yeah, you know, the the grittiest borough. Arguably. Yeah. I say that in the most loving way. Um, <laughs> but like the bumps that these guys were taking and like, just like getting up and like their backs are all scratched up and they got the like little chunks of gravel like in the in the cuts. It just looked so gross and undesirable. <laughs> but props to them. It was a great time and I appreciate them uh, leaving it all not in the ring because they weren't in the ring, but you know, leaving it all out for the fans. Yeah, no, and that's definitely cool. It's a different as- aspect of, like, wrestling. I don't think a lot of people talk about it, is that you can pretty much have those kind of shows every once in a while, and just and people are going to come to them because, like you said, they just kind of give, like, that grittier kind of feel that, like, hey, like, here we are, like, on ground level. So I like that, and I think it's cool. And it reminds me a lot of, like, like Bloodsport, right? So GCW's yeah. Bloodsport, you know, you get, like, this – this darker kind of feel for the ring and it's it's cool i like the aspect and especially no ropes like it's just kind of like a hey anything's gonna happen here oh yeah no i mean it's when the opportunity presented itself at you know we 
we jumped at it. I've been a fan of, you know, Cas uh, Casanova Valentine shows that he does uh, here in New York, the no ring death matches. And then, uh, you know, you got no peace underground out of Florida doing a very similar concept. Um, we just, man, you know, like that's just uh, this, this year has been our first year uh, running monthly. Um, so we've run every month uh, with the exception of January um, because uh, we were supposed to run in January, but there was a snowstorm uh, made us push the date back. Um, and, you know, part of the thing is, you know, to keep the fans coming back, you got to just keep changing it up. You got to keep doing things different. Um, so each, each of our shows that we've done this year has had a very different flavor to it. Um, and, you know, that the no ring event was just, uh, you know, taking that idea to its most extreme, you know, what's, what, what can be more different than, you know, doing a wrestling show without a wrestling ring, like <laughs> that's, we're, we're going way into left field there. So <laughs> And no doubt. And and it's cool because you did say like you guys have different themes for like everything. And so like at the end of the month, you have Let Them Fight. Uh, you put out a massive card uh, to include like Art of War. Uh, I'll put myself in that category. Uh, you have uh, Faceless. You know, there's just a lot of like different aspects to what's going on with the show. And it's just cool that you're starting to see like like the bigger show kind of get built up. You know, I know like I've been, I've been personally wanting to get involved with Invictus since you started two years ago. And like, now that I got the opportunity, like I just think it's cool. So I guess for what I really want to know is when I, when it comes to other people who are going out there, like what do you look for in those wrestlers that catch your eye that makes you want to bring them in? Um, it's a good question. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things I look for um, because the, the thing is that uh, particularly here in the Northeast, um, like, you know, East coast area, I don't know if the DMV would be considered Northeast, but you know, there's so many good wrestlers um, and you can't book them all. Uh, it's impossible. So you, I think what it boils down to for me is first of all, having, you know, I'm, I'm pretty conservative when it comes to booking in the, in the sense that uh, I don't believe in just bringing in, you know, big names or big talents just for the sake of bringing them in and having them on the card. I think it's having a role for them to play um, whether it's, you know, a one-off thing or, or bringing them in for a more long-term story. Um, finding something that they can contribute to the card besides just putting on a good match. Um, so that's one thing that I look for. Um, I think, I don't know if it was you that I, I spoke to about my, my kind of breakdown of like the three sort of aspects that I would look for in a potential um, wrestler, but I uh, look at it in terms of um, the look, the charisma, and then the in-ring, the work rate. And those are the three sort of like factors that I would break it down by. Um, there's some people who really excel in one of those. And there's some people who are more, you know, where it's more evenly distributed. Um, I, you know, to come up with some more like notable examples, you know, I would say uh, somebody like uh, 
you know, Hulk Hogan, for example, uh, charisma was definitely there. Uh, you know, he had that intensity with his promos. Um, his look was there. He had that trademark, you know, appearance. Uh, you know, he was great to sell action figures and merchandise and stuff. In-ring work, you know, could only do like five moves, but, you know, he made it work for him. You know, uh, it would be an example of like, you know, something like that. Um, you know, uh, Mitsuharu Misawa, because I'm a big, you know, fan of, uh, of Japanese wrestling, you know. He's someone who uh, he really excelled in the in-ring aspect. Um, you know, charisma. He didn't really, you know, he was a man of very few words. He didn't really talk a lot. Um, you know, looks wise, he, he nothing about his appearance really stood out. But, uh, you know, he wasn't the most chiseled athlete, but work rate, his work rate was so head and shoulders above everyone else. You know, it didn't really matter. So looking at like people's uh, strong points, um, their strong suits and, uh, you know, um, helping to play to those strengths and booking them in a way that, that could play to those strengths um, pretty much is, is, is what I look for um, in potential wrestlers. And above all else is, is work ethic. You know, a, a big reason why um, what I tell people when people reach out to me and ask, you know, what, how, what can I do to get on the show is the first thing I always tell them is we'll come and show face and help out at a show because we always need to help. And for you to show up and actually, you know, show face and talk to me, then you, you become more than just, you know, one of the many messages that I get in my inbox. Now yeah. you're a, a, a you know, <laughs> name that I can put to the face and I've talked to you and, and, but moreover, it shows that you, that you want this, that you're willing to work for it and you're willing to put in the extra, put in the extra miles to get it. And that, you know, work ethic more often than not, you know, that, that willingness to, go the extra mile in terms of helping out, you know, translates to work rate as well in the ring. Yeah, it's cool. Cause like, I know like when I, when I jumped up and I saw, and you know, myself and Chaz, we came up the uh, first time and we just like helped out with the ring. We just wanted to hang out and just like, just chill with everybody and just talk to them. And then recently, you know, I got to come up for uh, the city tournament and like that, was so much fun and all I really wanted to do I I should have came up earlier I was just having some difficulties to get up quicker but getting up and being able to sit down just kind of cheer with the fans just kind of be a plant like that was fun too like I enjoyed like just sitting back and getting to enjoy the show and then getting to like watch some wrestlers I'm like yeah I definitely want to work that person definitely gonna want to get in the ring with that person and that person so there was a lot of fun to like be attached to to the tournament and just like enjoy everything that was going on uh in the building yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you're someone in particular who, you know, it was clear that, um, you know, that you had that work ethic and you had that drive because you've come up and, you know, it's no secret you're you live a good distance away from where we run our shows, you know, in Jersey. So to see that commitment to coming up and, and helping out, you know, especially when you weren't guaranteed a spot, um, was something that I kept in mind, because, you know, I'll be honest that, you know, when you. uh the first time, you know, last last spring when you came up, uh, you know, and helped out and you sent me your stuff, you know, uh, I, I could tell like, you know, there was definitely potential there. But I felt like in order for you to come up and, you know, be booked and really put your best foot forward, you know, 
you had to put in a little more practice and kind of find yourself a little bit more as a character. And that's something that in the time that's elapsed since then, you know, there's, I've noticed that shift and I've noticed that you've, you've kind of found yourself and you've, you know, you've, you've found red dog and, and kind of, you know, embodied what that is. So um, that's something that I noticed. So it's all about timing. It's a combination of, you know, timing and, and that work ethic and, and passion and drive. And I think that's something like people got to realize too. Cause like, yeah, we've been, we've been chatting since May of 2021, something like that June of 2021. Okay. And you know, it's, it's been a consistent process, but it's like one of those things that just cause you, and that's something I think a lot of people need to understand too, is that just cause you show up to a show and you help, you're not guaranteed a spot. Like just show up, have your best foot forward, enjoy what's going on. And then like, you know, just be, be, be persistent. But you know, at the same token, like don't be that guy that's like, well, they're not helping me out. Why do I want to show up to the show? Like just show up, be friendly, do what you got to do. And then who knows one thing is going to lead to another. If, if it happens, if it doesn't, it doesn't happen. doesn't mean that they don't like you. They probably appreciate the help that you're given. It's just, just be, just be there, be, be there and just be helpful. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's particularly like, you know, once a once a promotion's kind of established, it, it's more difficult to to break in and get a spot on that promotion because they have their core roster already established. They have their their stories that they're telling and their guys that they've been built up. So the the spots for a new face or somebody new to enter the picture are very um, are limited. Um, so you know, that's really the whole purpose of you know what Let Them Fight is all about. Uh, the show that we have coming up in August, it really stemmed from my frustration as a booker of just, you know, having all these, you know, really promising, uh, you know, fresh talents who would come and help out at the shows and stuff and, you know, just not having spots for all of them. So the idea came to me. I mean, we did the first one last July, um, but just to do a, a show solely dedicated to um, showcasing these rising stars um, and, you know, seeing who connects with the crowd and who's able to, you know, really have an impact. And, uh, a lot of the people who, uh, made their in-ring debuts at the last, um, let them fight last year have since gone on to become regulars on our roster, uh, Jay Bougie, uh, J.S. Hawthorne, all those guys made their in-ring debuts, um, at, at the show last year. And have since kind of worked their way up. Yeah, it was definitely fun because I've actually worked J.S. Hawthorne and I thought like, you know, he's very fun to be around. I just like, I just love his energy. And then Jay Bougie, he's actually been on our podcast before. We've actually had him on and I talked to him and I know that he's worked Chaz, although Chaz won't want to talk about the results of that show. So, <laughs> but you know, it is cool. It is cool to see like someone present opportunities to younger talent, like help them and help them grow and even give them critiques. Like, I think that's one thing that's really cool is that I can come to you and you get to tell me things that are like, I can improve on based on what you see from as a promoter point of view. And I think that's beneficial is like, you know, you can have friends, right. But more importantly, if you have people on your team who are helping you grow, like just listen to them and like be able to understand that they're critiquing you, but they're helping you get better in the business. And especially if you're on a promoter level, like these are things that are going to catch your eye. And I know like when we talked uh, a few times, like that was the one thing that you kind of were always telling me was just like, you got to get your reps in, you got to work on your character side of things and kind of like understand who Red Dog is. And 
since then, like, I just kind of took it and ran with it. So I guess where I want to come from with it is uh, knowing that I'm coming in, getting into my second or third year, I guess uh, what would be expectations if you didn't know somebody and they were telling you like, yeah, I've been there for two years. Like, like what's your, what's your kind of standard expectations of what you think that person's going to be at? Um, that's a good question. Yeah. So by the second or third year, um, like I said, I would expect you to have a pretty solid understanding of your character. Um, I always say that, you know, uh, you should be able to give your, um, you know, in, in showbiz, what they call an elevator pitch. Uh, so basically like, you know, 30 seconds or less, who is Red Dog? Who is your character, right? Um, nowadays, uh, far too often, there's people where their gimmick is just that they're a wrestler, you know? Um, and again, like there's sure there's there's a a fan base there's an audience for that um but you know that the that's a very niche you know the 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 purest wrestling fans um you know uh the people that can can look past you know the lack of a character and just focus on someone's work rate the majority of fans particularly the casual fans or especially the younger fans you know kids and stuff they need to have a character that they can kind of gravitate towards in a that they can easily pick out on a card or on a poster. So um, would expect you to, uh, you know, have a, have a very strong understanding of your character. And also, um, you know, you expect a certain, uh, when you talk to someone and they say, oh, you know, it's your rookie year, um, you know, you may be able or willing to overlook, um, you know, for lack of a better word, like a clunkiness to the in-ring work, there's certain like, you know, with, with things like footwork and things like that, um, you can sort of overlook that um, just because you're, you're choosing to see the potential uh, that the person has. But by the second or third year, you know, you would hope as a promoter that people have mostly cleaned that up. And that's just something that comes from, you know, getting the reps in and muscle memory and things, things like that. Okay. I mean, that's cool. And I, I agree. Like, uh, yeah. cause that's, that's something I'm still improving on too. Like I'm still working on is obviously like footwork. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think like having like kind of an idea of where you want your character to go. Like you should just be like, at least in that, that nucleus phase, like it's still kind of like expanding, like you're still adding stuff to it. I know for me, like when I got in, like, I just assumed that your trainer, whoever was there was like, this is your character. You do what you, you gotta do it this way. And it wasn't until like, I was like seven months in that I realized is like I don't have to be this dude like I can do kind of whatever I want I'm gonna, at the end of the day like I'm an indie worker and I remember like the first few months and like, first few matches I was working like it was like this serious like stoic kind of like military character and I was like there's like a million of these guys and I was like I'm definitely not that dude it's yeah. like and I even told my trainer he was like okay well if you think that you can do better with like the military thing tell me what you would do and I was like we're super dark humor and that's definitely where I want to be. And so I just like opened up on the comedy side of things and then realized people were like, Oh, you're like Deadpool. And I was like, yeah, I guess if you want to put it that way. And then I started like watching way too many Ryan Reynolds movies and realizing that my comedy is exactly like Ryan Reynolds is <laughs> sarcastic yeah. humor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it, it, it also boils down to it. This isn't so much like, you know, um, something that 
should be you know restricted to being at a certain like you know your your first year second year third year but this is more just the thing uh you should be able to answer if a promoter or anyone really asks you you know what makes you different from the next guy um you should have a, an answer uh you know sort of ready to go for that um to your point, like, you know, the, the military, you know, uh, camo gear, uh, you know, th those gimmicks, like you said, they are kind of a dime a dozen, especially on the indies, but to take that concept or some aspect of it and, and turn it on its head um, and do something different with it um, and subvert the audience's expectations. I think that's the sign of, you know, that's a sign that you did that you have something with potential there. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that I think, cause you know, I, I forget who I was talking with, but we we're talking about, there's like six characters that you always find in any locker room. Right. And one of them was like the wrestler, right. Uh, the underdog is another one. Uh, the cocky dude that's like, yeah, yeah. I'm the best ever. Uh, the mercenary or the military type guy. Yeah. Uh, like the super high flyer and like a luchador. So you have like these six regular characters that are like are always going to be present on the show. And, and you're right. You have to make yourself different. I know like while we're here at when I'm training and we have like promo day or character development day, like the one thing I ask guys, like who is such and such? And I always feel like I get like the same answers where it's like, I'm an assassin. Okay. Well, there's like eight of those. What yeah. makes you different? Like, well, I was I was bullied in high school. Cool. We kind of have a direction, but what makes you different from that person? I was like, they're all coming in with that same it. entrance gimmick, like the black ski mask, you know, like <laughs> yeah. yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, they uh, when I was in uh, grad school um, for creative writing, one of the things that uh, would always come up in our, our seminars that the professors would always tell us is there's no such thing as an original idea. Um, it's all about uh, how can you take, you know, pre-existing ideas or these, these tropes, kind of what you were describing before, and take little elements of them and combine them or change them to make something that is unique and unprecedented. And I think nowhere is that more true than in wrestling. Um, some of the most iconic workers of all time, you know, borrowed heavily uh, their personas. Look at, you know, uh, the nature boy, Ric Flair, just had his last match last night. Uh, you know, nature boy, Buddy Rogers lifted heavily from that. Hulk Hogan, you know, borrowing heavily from superstar Billy Graham. So, you know, no such thing as an original idea in wrestling. Um, no. But at the same time, it's all about how can you take those things, how can you take those existing ideas, change them, make them your own. Yeah, and I love the idea of like spinning new things onto to who you are and what you do. Like I know, like I've watched a couple like random ass movies, and I'm like, oh, I kind of like this character. I was like, I might take like the code word that kind of like irritates them, that gets them upset, right? Like one of like. The one thing I know a lot of people are going to look at this now, they're going to be like, oh, that's the word. Uh, so like for Red Dog, his like word that people say will be like Chair Force because he talks about being an Air Force veteran. So people know that he was in the Air Force. So they'll reference the Chair Force. And that's kind of like one thing that makes him tick. That's like, yo, 
all right, now it's time to whoop your ass because you're talking shit about my about my military branch. Yeah. So I think it's one thing. It's 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 those little things because like now like I like diving into my character because like I was listening to Chris Van Vliet and he was talking about like asking better questions to get better answers. And one thing that I loved was I was like, all right, well, who is Red Dog, right? And then I had to establish who he was. I'm like, what makes Red Dog tick? I'm like, all right, here's these questions. And then like I started thinking about, it, I was like. Why and how are those questions that dig and make you want to figure out what else is there? So why does Red Dog want to do these things? How come Red Dog does that? Why does Red Dog love this? Why does Red Dog like that? How come he doesn't like this if he likes that, right? So it's it's this building this world of like an awesome character. And like you said, like pulling from different people to like understand like what makes that guy tick. And it's yeah. it takes a it's a process. Like I'm still learning my own character, but yeah. It's fun when you get to build it. Yeah, and your character should always be evolving. I mean, look at Chris Jericho, right? Um, how many times he's reinvented himself over the years, and that's you know one of the reasons why he's you know goat status, as the as the kids would say. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's that's what it's all about, though. It's about that uh, adaptability, and also you know uh, being able to implement uh, uh, feedback that you get you know, from both uh, fellow, you know, uh, peers or mentors in the business, as well as the fans um, being able to come back through the curtain after a match and say, okay, you know, what, what went the way I wanted it to go? What didn't connect? Why didn't it connect? And things like that. That's something that I'm always doing as a promoter as well. Um, can't tell you how many things, you know, I, I, if you look at our first show, you know, two years ago, um, and the shows we do now, you know, how much more tightly everything is run just because we've learned from our mistakes. Um, you know, uh, doing like, you know, instead of printing out run sheets, using a whiteboard instead, because we're always changing shit, right? The night of. So being able to just erase it, <laughs> change it with marker rather than, you know, the run sheet looks like a freaking everything's crossed out there's arrows going everywhere and you know stuff like that it just becomes this illegible mess so things like that i actually i like that i might have to just start doing that just randomly like just start bring, like i'm gonna go buy a whiteboard just so i can start writing stuff on it like i i think about that all the time like that would be something that would just help promoters out just in general just to show up with a right whiteboard and then be like hey i know that you have your card you can write it here in case something happens and you can just change it yeah and then also keep the markers in your pocket. People are going to steal those markers. Yes. I, okay. I, I love being that guy, but I also hate being that guy. Cause like I'm the guy that's in my bag. Like I have a roll of tape. And so I know everybody's always looking for tape, whether it's white or black or blue or pink. Right. For those who are wondering, uh, yeah. but I have tape all the time and I, and I have that. And I always, someone always takes my rolls of tape and I never get them back or, I have Sharpies. I have tons of Sharpies, but I know I'm never getting them back. So I'm always replacing them. <laughs> I went to go change something at one of our shows earlier this year. I went to go change something on the whiteboard and there were no markers there. And I like turned to the rest of the locker room and I was like, did anyone take the markers that were here? And it's like, you know, crickets. It's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher, like is my shoot job. I think we've talked about that, but it's like when I turn my side, my class, like who threw that? Right. And you know, it's just crickets. 
And I literally said to them, I was like, you know, I was like, they're whiteboard markers. I was like, you can't use them to sign things. I was like, they have no use to you. I was like, so I'm just going to leave, go back upstairs. And like, I expect those markers to just make their way back up here. And then I did, came back down. Later, <laughs> and the markers were back where they belonged. And somebody probably felt very foolish, but I won't know who that is. And that's okay. <laughs> but it's like, you got to think about these things, right? Like at the end of the day, and I hear this a lot and I hear this from a lot of veterans and I think about those, right? It, it says it in the name, professional wrestling. You are a professional, like act like one, either have the stuff or ask somebody else if you can borrow their stuff and then give it back. Like It just doesn't make sense. Like if you want to take my rolls of tape, fine, take the rolls of tape. I'm not, I mean, I get upset. I can always buy more, but you know, just, I just know who I'm not going to lend tape to next time. Like, it's yep. just yep. the thing. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh, man. But it's been, it's funny because, like, uh, I think about, like, the other side of things where you're talking about at least getting, working on those reps and understanding, like, where footwork is and, you know, cleaning up the clunkiness inside of, the, like, inside of a moveset that you have for yourself. And, like, and, and you know, I think it's very important that everybody has to continue being at practice, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, we said it once already, you're a professional and you should be able to know your moveset, know at least where your eight moves are. Because, you know, reading, uh, I know he's not really talked about much in the business right now, Mike Quackenbush, but, you know, the thing he talked about was like, know your greatest hits, right? And be able to, you know, pull this out at a, at a dime, if you need to, like out of the bag immediately, especially if your opponent doesn't show up on time and you have like a few minutes and you need to get into the ring, you should be able to like be, all right, cool. Here's some things that we can do really quick. Where do you want to put these in? We'll figure it out when we get out there. Yeah. And I think like if you go out there and you tell someone, oh, I'm going to hit like this, 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 and this, and you've never trained it before, there's a pretty good shot. You're probably going to mess it up when you go out there. Yeah, not 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I don't know, it's the way I, one, you know, more more recent example, relevant example was, you know, when when uh, when Logan Paul debuted at Mania, right, um, people's expectations were obviously very low. And, you know, he exceeded those expectations. I think it's very fair to say. He had a few missteps. I think there was one spot, you know, where he got dumped to the outside and, you know, he he hit the ropes a little awkwardly, you know, falling out. There were a bunch of those things throughout it. But we were willing to look past that because, you know, holy shit, this is a YouTuber who's never had a wrestling match before. And he's really good. But, you know, now he signed a contract with them and, you know, he just had his, his second match. So the expectation is, you know, next time he's going to be a little bit better. Um and better after that. So I think it's just, you know, uh, you're, you're, yeah, when you, when you know that somebody's, you know, still a rookie, um, you know, it's their first match or one of their first matches, you know, you're willing to overlook um, certain, you know, small things like that for the sake of, you know, just focusing on their potential. But as that potential hopefully becomes realized, you know, you, you can clean those things up a bit, it just comes from practice. Yeah, and I think that's like the most important part is that it just comes with practice. Like you got to practice those things to get, you know, to improve. Like I know it's and it's weird because like I'm not gonna be one that's gonna be critiquing. Like, but you know, Jake Paul. Like the the things I love about watching Paul's match was that he like 
he hit a lot of stuff clean. And you could tell, like, he's been putting in the work. Like, he really has been ever since, like, and I'm sure he, after Mania, he just kept training. And then, like, he signed a contract. And everybody's like, oh, he just signed now. But I'm pretty sure he probably signed that, like, four months ago. And then just started, like, training really hard. Then they were like, we're going to debut him at SummerSlam. Like, re-debut him, I guess. And he came out, like, a house on fire. And I was like, hey, man, the guy's putting in work. And I can't, can't knock it. Like, that's it was really cool to see. And I know a lot of people who who keep talking about it, they're like, well, I haven't got my opportunity yet. And I'm like, well, you know, I, and I know people in my training school that are doing that. And I'm like, listen, man, like you've been here once in the last four months. Like, where did you think that you were going to be like, I'm the superstar. Cause you're can't even like, you can't even bump right, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, in the one sense, I understand people's frustration, the people who are quote, you know, doing everything right um, and not getting those opportunities. And then to see somebody like, you know, Logan Paul get snatched up. Uh, the reason why WWE brought Logan Paul in was because they understood what he could contribute to the company. He's a huge social media star with, you know, millions of followers and a, a huge audience that he can bring uh, to WWE. Um, and, you know, yeah, most indie workers don't have that to offer but do a little soul searching do a little reflecting figure out what you can bring to the table you know um maybe it's not some massive you know army of you know fangirls online but you know uh maybe you're um you know uh i'll i'll give a little shout out here um uh, to somebody else who's going to be uh, making his debut with us uh, in August, uh, Landon Hale. Um, dude's a doctor of uh, chiropractics as his shoot job. All those, you know, bang ups after a match, you know, get a little tight, you know, take a couple uh, bumps on the shoulders, feeling a little stiff after the match, can come right into the back and stretch you out, right? Beyond the fact that he's a really solid worker in ring, you know, he has something that he can offer to the locker room, something unique, you know? So it's all about finding that, finding that niche and owning it. Yeah. I met Landon, uh, in, in, uh, a locker room up in Massachusetts and a super, super nice dude. I really liked like just having a quick conversation with him. And then we started following each other. And so him and I like talk back and forth like a lot. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's, this is a good dude. And then I saw that he was a chiropractor. I was like, definitely should have had him like work on my back or something while I was there. <laughs> okay. But yeah, super nice dude. I can't wait to like get the cross pass with him again and like just either A, you know, chop it up with him or, you know, chop him. One of those <laughs> Was that the night you worked uh, Caster? Yeah, yeah, that was the night. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm very, very <laughs> happy for him. I'm excited to have him uh, have him coming on board for the 28th. Yeah, it was cool when yeah. I watched the when I watched you put the title the the card out there, and he was on there. I was like, oh shit, I just saw him. <laughs> it's it's been a lot of that, yeah. Um, it's just, you know, people who, uh, you know, some people who are coming in, like, there's people who have, like, been around Invictus for a while, but have never officially debuted, like you, um, 
Ken Powers, you know, who, who worked ring crew on our first show. Um, and now is, you know, uh, finally graduated from team beauty Academy. So he'll be making his in-ring debut. Yeah. It's, it's, a it's got real, uh, family reunion vibes to it, the show. So I'm excited about it. Me too. Uh, so you, we, we kind of talked about like to hit on the, the character side of things in-ring work. Um, and then like one other aspect, I guess, is like, we're always looking, you're always looking for another person that's kind of like, what can they contribute to help grow uh, Invictus, right? Because necessarily you want both both people to kind of help grow. Um, so aside from just like, I guess, what's one of your pet peeves when you go to like book talent that you would want them to know, be like, hey, like don't do these things if, if you're not here and do these things if you're like on the show? Um. Well, I'll say leading up to the show, you know, do, do your due diligence as far as promoting is concerned. Um, I've heard some pretty stupid hot takes before saying, you know, it's the, oh, it's the promoter's job to promote, uh, which, yeah, it is. But like the fans aren't coming to see me, you know, they're coming to see you guys. So, you know let people know you're going to be there. I think the thing that bothers me the most is, you know, like uh, when, you know, we, we book people and this, this often happens with like the bigger names, you know, and, and uh, all they do is like, you know, retweet it. Like not even a quote tweet, like pretend like you want to be here. Like pretend like you're excited. Like it's a big deal. You know what I mean? Like if you, yeah, if you if you treat each match like it's a big deal, the fans will see it as a big deal, you know. Um, like elevate the company, like pretend like you like you care. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's my biggest uh, pet peeve. I think is just you know uh, the workers who just you know will phone it in in terms of promotion, or even worse, phone it in in terms of the match. But usually that's not the case because it's the the workers who often, you know, do it are the ones who are really good in the ring and they know they're good in the ring. So they feel like they don't have to do the, do the extra, you know, the extra legwork of doing promos or anything like that. So if you're, if you're somebody who's regularly promoting the show, cutting promos, quote tweeting and retweeting not just retweeting because that's pressing one button um you know and and just really doing your diligence uh that that does go uh that does not go unnoticed all right cool see this here there you go that's how you help out you just you know promotion (laughs) i love cutting promos i think like cutting promos is probably like the probably the best part of like leading up to a show next to like putting on the match. I think cutting promos is the best part because you get to show off like more of who your character is and what your character is going to do and what he's all about or what they're all about, what she's yeah. all about. So I think, I think for me, like when I cut promos, like I always try to find like a, a unique way of like cutting it so that people understand, like my character realizes like what, what's going on. 
And I think it's very important that people like take the time to, to do those things. Yeah. I mean, I have to, I have to put over one person in particular when it comes to that. And that would be, uh, or two people actually, because they're, they're joined at the hip. Uh, Killian and dust are (laughs) phenomenal (laughs) because I know that every time I book Killian in a match, I'm like waiting, like what kind of just like weird, depraved shit are they going to cook up like for their promo for that match like they're going to dub Garfield are they going to do like a Metal Gear Solid gimmick like it's just I don't know where they get these ideas from but you know that point like the the the, the effort uh, clearly you know it, it it makes a huge difference just as far as uh, you know getting the fans engaged and getting the fans talking about it yeah, Killian and Dust, they they come up with a lot of stuff that's just like off the wall. And I thoroughly enjoy re- watching all their stuff that they put out because, you know, uh, we, recently we had talked uh, with Killian about uh, the movie that they did, right, with Sunny Kiss. And I was like, yo, that's like one of my favorite things. And I got to talk to Dust about it too. And Dust was like, uh, he was laughing about it because he thought he was like, yeah. And I was like, we were talking uh, talk about it and stuff, and I was just I was enamored with that the the twist that came at the end. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, you need to go watch their it's movie. But very uh, it's, it's very good. Very good. the the whole uh, The whole gay president thing that Killian's been doing right now is fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that he when he won the cup, he was just like eating play <laughs> out of the Cassandro cup was a one humor. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, so he came up to me after he after he won the cup. He came up to me and he was like, he was like, you know, you can only book me to win now, otherwise you're homophobic. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Killian. <laughs> All right. Well, like. Going over right, so we've kind of hit on, on a few different high spots and stuff about uh, about you know just what you look for whenever you're talking about characters or people who are coming in into to your promotion and stuff. Uh, but what I want to do is I want to switch this over to the third best segment of the three count podcast, and people are trying to figure out what are the first two right. So you, right here, Red Dogs Power Rankings, you can find every Sunday on our debate show, or if you're listening to now entering the ring. It's the three count podcast, 10 count questions, but this segment has what's called the three count podcast pin submit or DQ. And what's going to happen. I'm going to fire off three names at you. You got to pin one, you got to submit one and you got to DQ one. So, so what we're going to do first round names are going to seem kind of familiar, right? So we have big trouble, Ben Bishop. Oh, we have Jay bougie. And then let's go ahead. And just we'll we'll throw it out there too. Big game, Leroy. Oh man, this is tough. Um, I'm gonna pin Ben because I want that. I want that feather in my cap. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna submit Jay Bougie just to shut his ass up. Uh, <laughs> I know he he talks a he talks a lot of shit, um, and then uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll DQ Leroy. I'll like you know like 
steal his switch or something, you know, <laughs> throw it, just throw it into the crowd and let him run after it and get him counted out or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually that's super smart yeah <laughs> all right so let's change this up so we're going to take this out of the wrestling world we're going to put this into the comic world but we're going to bring in three people that a lot of people are familiar with so we're going to take captain america we're going to take oh. iron man oh. and we take spider-man okay all right um pin submitter dq um I'm going to submit Iron Man because I feel like, you know, like outsmarting Tony Stark would be, would be a, a feat. It'd be quite an achievement. <laughs> um, I'm going to, I'm going to DQ Captain America I'm going to do the Eddie Guerrero chair spot, but with his shield. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, which means I guess I'm, uh, I guess I'm pinning Spidey. All right. I mean, that's something that bone saw couldn't do. So I, that would only make sense. <laughs> so let's take this out of the comic book world. We're going to take this into the world of cartoons. So you have Dexter from Dexter's laboratory. We have Eddie from Ed, Ed and Eddie. And then we've got Blossom from Powerpuff Girls. Oh boy. Um, interesting. Um, Eddie, which one's Eddie? Eddie's the uh, he's the dumb one. <laughs> he's the dumb one, right? Okay. Um, Wait, no, Eddie's the slicked hair back one. He's the short yeah, guy. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Ed, yeah, because Ed, Ed, it's Ed Eddie. and then Double D. Yeah, Double D's got Double D is the smart one, and then Ed's the, you know, the, the scammer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so it's Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. Um, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to submit Dexter. <laughs> Um, again, like for the same reason as Tony Stark, I want to like outsmart him, like outmaneuver him, make him, you know, take him down a peg. Uh, I'm gonna, I guess I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll pin Eddie. And then I guess I'll uh, I'll I'll DQ uh, I'll DQ Blossom because like I don't want to I don't want to hurt her like that's <laughs> yeah I'll just find something you know I'll let her know, let her like lobling me or something. And... I was like Chemical X is is a dangerous substance. We don't yeah. Know what else to do. <laughs> I'm hitting her with a steel chair. I don't care what anybody says. I'm hitting Blossom because hey, she's super strong, man. Like she can yeah, take it. Right. I, mean, I mean, I I have booked my share of intergender matches, so you know, equal rights, equal fights. So, but, well, that is it for uh, pin submit DQ. But uh, Alex, let our listeners and our viewers know where they can find you. Yes, um, you can follow. 
Invictus Pro Wrestling on Twitter at Invictus Pro W R E one. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, just Invictus Pro Wrestling. Um, be sure to check out our upcoming show on August 28th. Let them fight Summer Wars. Our main man, Red Dog, will be in action. Singles action making his Invictus debut against Diego El Trabajador. Um, as well as a lot of other great matches featuring some rising stars of independent wrestling. You can get tickets to that on our Eventbrite page. Um, you can find the link to that on any of our social media accounts. If you can't be there in person, be sure to check it out streaming live on IWTV. And there you have it. He gave you the handles. He told you where you can find the show. You guys can go watch it or you guys can just be there. Okay. But that is preferable. That is definitely preferable. <laughs> so with that being said, you know, we got to do like uh, everybody's favorite part of wrestling match. We got to take it home because this is now entering 201 and right there with me, CM Alex Aceta from Invictus Pro Wrestling. And I'm your host, Cliver Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up that mountain called wrestling. But like every good Sherpa, it's never about me because you got to find someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can. So that's why Alex is here because clearly he's doing it better than I am. Anyway, with that being said, tune into the next episode and be there or you're, you know, subscribing to our YouTube channel. You're following us on all of our social media platforms, which is right below us, or you're buying all of our merch on ProWrestlingTees.com for sets of three-count podcasts. Or you're really just waiting for this episode to end. You're waiting for the outro. And then you're choosing another episode to listen to. Peace. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there. Find us at the Three Count underscore pod. Give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod. Give us a like, give us a follow. Leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to YouTube.com. Give us a subscribe. Turn the bell on. Turn the notifications. Leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the Three Count Podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say also one thing i need you to do for me the three count podcast also has merchandise at pro wrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count pod please go buy our t-shirts we love you guys and we hope you love us too so show us some support please